and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. This morning, we need to ask ourselves, are we teaching anything that's false? Answer, we need to put truth filters into place. This morning, Jude verses 5 through 16. And now, with more from God's Word, here's Pastor Robert Elliott. You see, we can't afford to be neutral to these lies because a little lie is like a little pregnancy. It doesn't take long before everybody knows. Mark Twain, no Christian, the humorist Mark Twain said, a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is putting on its shoes. Ever notice that? People lie. People speak a hard truth and it's, you are judging me. No, the Bible is judging you. You are intolerant. Yes, I am intolerant of sin because Jesus, my Savior, had to die a heinous, brutal death for sin, my sin. I can't just wink at sin. We cannot afford to do nothing about lies. A tide of lies will drown us. Instead, we must step out of the tide of errors into the dry land of truth. This is the dry land of truth. Solid rock, unchanging, uncompromised, undiluted. And so I'd invite you, if you've never done so before, to give thought to this commitment. Could you commit yourself to the Lord to reject any lie you have already learned? Could you commit yourself right now to cooperating with the Lord, your Savior, so that any false teacher in your life will no longer have the opportunity to cause you to learn lies, error, and heresy? How would that look? You would say, I'm not so much interested in your philosophies anymore, but if you're interested in knowing about my convictions based on Scripture, we can still have lunches. Really what I'm asking, what the scriptures are asking you to do is to put a truth filter on your interpersonal relationships, to put a truth filter on your television watching, to put a truth filter on your movie watching, to put a truth filter on the internet you surf. Put a truth filter on. We have a dumpster behind the church building. If someone in error threw my ham sandwich tomorrow into the dumpster, I wasn't finished eating it. Do you think I would go in the dumpster to get my ham sandwich? Do you think I would find it at the bottom of the sledge in that dumpster and say, well, literally only about three spots of sledge on the bread. I think I can still eat it. That's how many of us as believers treat the things of the world that can pollute us. We just only had a little sledge on it, Lord. There was only one bedroom scene in the movie. There was only one swear word on the YouTube clip. Put a truth filter on it. Ed Cole, Christian author, said this, truth is like soap. It's no good unless it's applied. I like that. And so now we move on from those people and those things that teach us to consider ourselves uh, precariously in the truth. We move on further with ourselves in application. We've asked ourselves, have we let any false teachers into our thinking so they've caused us to learn error, lies, 
and heresy. Now we must ask by way of application, what about us? Have any of us been functioning tacitly, passively, unknowingly, knowingly as a false teacher ourselves? Wow, what a question. Have we been causing anybody else to learn things about God that God says is not true? Let me give you an example. In Jesus' story of the prodigal son, do you remember the father on the farm had the younger son come to him and demand his inheritance up front, and the father gave him the inheritance, and he went off to the far country, and he squandered all of his inheritance on immoral living. And then he was feeding pigs, which for a Jew was about the worst job you could have. And he found himself in the slop of the pig pen, and he came to his senses, the scripture says, and he came home wanting just to be a farmhand, not a son. He thought he'd blown it as far as being a son. Do you remember what happened as he was coming home in repentance? His father, his daddy saw him on the horizon. Do you know why his daddy saw him on the horizon? Because he was looking at the horizon. And do you know why he was looking at the horizon? Because every day he was praying for his son to repent. That's God. And so the boy comes home and he starts to blurt out that he just wants to be a farmhand and he's so sorry for being rebellious and wasting all that money and being in sin. And the father says, shh, 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 we're gonna have a party. We're gonna slaughter the fattened calf. My son who is dead is home again. That's a picture of God's grace and willingness to forgive us as sinners. But who I wanna focus in on is the older brother. The older brother saw the commotion, saw the younger brother home, saw daddy happy about it, saw the fattened calf being slaughtered, saw the cook starting to cook the barbecue, and he goes storming to his father and he says, all these years I've slaved for you. Do you think if we portrayed a lost people that were slaving for God, that we're teaching them error? I do. That church has got a ball and chain around my free time, you know. Slaving for God. Then he said, all these years I've slaved for you and you've never thrown a party for me. Do you think when we compare the blessings we have in our lives to the blessings someone else has in their life in this church family and we think we have the short end of the stick and it comes across, do you think we're teaching a brother or a sister of Christ right in this congregation false lies? Are we false teachers in that respect? Yeah, we are. So what about us? Has our tongue been altogether too loose like a false teacher's is? And has it damaged others' ability to think well of God and his word? Is my mouth too vicious like false teachers' mouths are vicious? Do I say way too much about that for which I know way too little? Would anybody deem me mouthy or opinionated? And then, what about my motives, you should be asking yourself. What about my motives? What actually gets me out of bed tomorrow morning and each morning? What about my motives? What are my core values? What do I deep down desire? And maybe everybody doesn't know what I desire, but I do. Am I wanting my own way to God? Am I giving on the offering plate thinking I can leverage God into doing something for me? Am I wanting money out of ministry efforts? Am I wanting power in my church? Just got to get on that committee. Boy, if I was on that committee, things would change. Am I wanting to put myself ahead 
Am I wanting to look good on the outside and I don't care about the reality of the inside of me? Am I wanting to pass off my instabilities in my faith and walk with Jesus Christ as being solid and all together? Do I just come to church every Sunday and put on this mask and put on this costume and play out a role of being perfect, a perfect father, a perfect husband? I have no troubles. Thank you very much. Oh, you have troubles? That's too bad. Let me pray for you. What about my motives? Am I teaching people around me anything that's a lie? Do I bash God either in the jokes I tell or my criticisms of him to my spouse? I don't think God answers our prayer anymore. Oh, yeah, you think God's looking out for us? Really? Seeing how much is in the bank? Motives. Am I wanting to exalt myself? Do I walk into a church gathering or any circle and want people to notice me? I'm here. With any of us, these motives can cause us to run the risk of functioning just like a false teacher. Because with these motives, we are in the danger of causing our spouses, our friends, our kids, our grandkids, our church family to learn wrong stuff. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now, today's Ministry Spotlight. Good morning and welcome to Youth Talk. This is Pastor Nicholas, the youth pastor here at Calvary Bible Church. And for this next couple of weeks, we want to look at cultural issues that our teenagers as well as adults have to deal with in our communities around the Bahamas. But this morning, we want to look at something different. We want to just start off our year by understanding the spiritual disciplines that we need to have in our lives as we approach these different issues for the next couple of weeks. Uh, we are already into 2017 as the year has just started. And a lot of people, what they like to do is they like to make these what they call resolutions. But this morning, we want to talk about disciplines. But before we talk about disciplines, some of you may be thinking to yourself, well, 2016 was a real bad year for me. And, and I wish that there were some things that I could change, wish some things I could do differently. But the bottom line is 2016 is done. We are now in 2017. And the Word of God said in Philippians 3, 12 to 14, said, now, not that I have already obtained this, or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do is forgetting what lies behind and straying toward what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What this verse is telling us is that we need to forget what mistakes we have made in 2016. Yes, we must learn from them, but we must forget that we must press forward to the goal of what Christ has called us to be in 2017. We should not dwell on what we the mistakes we have made, but we need to pursue Christ with everything. Like I started off talking about, many people make resolutions. And here's one of the resolutions a lot of people like to make. They like to say, I want to lose some weight. Well, the Bible is clear in us losing weight, in goals of losing weight, not losing weight in a, in a physical matter, but losing weight spiritually, losing weight in sin. And Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 said, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As that is clearly telling us in verse 1, it says to lay aside every 
weight and sin. We are to get rid of weight, get rid of sin that we have in our lives. The only way that God is going to use us to our full potential, whatever age you are listening to this broadcast, we must get rid of that sin. We must confess our sins to God. We must strain toward the prize, which is God, as it said in verse 2, look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him endured the cross. You see, Jesus is the goal. You know, we just finished a, a marathon here in our country, and, you know, the goal was to see the finish line. If you look behind you and you thought of the whole process of how I'm going to get there, it would probably stress you out. But when you saw the finish line, there was some type of adrenaline that would hit you that you would say, you know what, I have to finish this race. I have to do my best. And that is what Jesus is saying. Look, look at me. I am the finish line. Your race never ends until you spend eternity with me. And this is only for those of us who know Christ as our Savior. If you are listening this morning to this broadcast and you've never placed faith in Jesus Christ, first of all, you need to confess your sin to him and ask him to come into your life and that you need to give everything over to him. But for us as believers, we have a hope. We have a perfecter of our faith, and that is Jesus himself. Another discipline or another goal that we may have is we want to know God more. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself to prove unto God, a workman that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth. Now, some of you may say, well, I read the Bible every day. Some of you may say that, you know what, when I open up my daily bread, you know, this is what I do every morning. The bottom line is what this verse is telling us that we need to study God's word. Some of us will just do it as a, you know, obligation. We feel like we must do it, but that we don't want to do it. It's just to get it out of our way. But this is telling us that we need to study. And you may be a student listening to this right now. And, you know, I'm going to ask you, what are you supposed to do for your tests? You're supposed to study. You're supposed to know what you're going to have to know in a test. And the bottom line is today in our world, in our society, in our culture, we have tests. Tests to either follow God 100% or tests to stray away and to do what the world wants us to do. And the only way we can do anything about it is we must study God's Word and know what God's Word says about these things. There are many people that are going to come and tell you different things. But the bottom line is we need to know what God's word says because God has the final answer. God has the final say. And as I said, it's to study. We spend time in his word. Psalms 119.97 says this, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. If you notice, it doesn't say that I'm just going to give God a little bit of my time. It said, I'm going to meditate on his law all the day. You know, if you listen this morning, and I know some people, we are morning people, some people are night people, and you may say, I do my devotions at night. The bottom line is we need to make sure that we are meditating on his word all day. Also, we know that his word is our path, our lamp, and to our feet. It shows us the right way to go. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I don't know about you, but I've known, you know, we have had many power cuts. And the one thing that we all think about first is to get the light. And you see, we have God's word. We have God's word that could show us where we must go in life. But some of us, we are so stubborn that we don't want to hear from God where he wants us to go. You see, we need to meditate. We need to know God's word. We need to know what his word says and how 
We are to apply it to our lives. You see, a lot of us, we know a lot of facts about God's Word. We know a lot of things. We know the sound the Christian needs. But the reality is we do not know God's Word, and God's Word hasn't made a change in our lives because we're satisfied with the status quo of just coming to church and the status quo of just knowing a couple of scriptures. But we must know and study God's Word. Spend time in God's Word. Because I think that this is the only, this is the only book that can change lives. And you know, parents, you may be listening to me this morning and, you know, it's very important for your kids to, you know, know their schoolwork, know what biology, chemistry and everything else says. But the reality is that the one book that never changed is the Word of God. And this is what we need to make sure that our kids are getting the foundation of knowing what they truly believe. Because let's be real, we're not going to have them for the rest of our lives. Some of them are going to go off to college and they're not going to know what they believe. So it is up to us to make sure that we challenge them and that we are to, sh to, to show in our lives that the Word of God is what's central in our home. This is what we go by. This is the foundation of our home. This is the book that matters because God's Word never changes. It's the same as God is, the same today, yesterday, and forever. Which brings me to the last point that I want to talk about, the last spiritual discipline. And this is a spiritual discipline of spending time talking to God in prayer. You know, for a lot of us, whether you're young or old this morning, you may be listening and you know what? When you first came to know that special someone in your life who you loved and who you wanted to get to know more, you know what you did? You spent time with them. You made it a priority to spend time getting to know them. And the reality is that if, if we want to know God more, we have to spend time. We have to talk to Him. We have to study His Word, but we also need to talk to Him. And, and just as Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We must be still. We must be quiet. We must allow God to speak to us. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without season. This means to continue in prayer, being an attitude of prayer, wherever you are doing. Now, I'm not telling you if you're on the road to close your eyes and talk to God. But you know what? You can be talking to God because let's be real. When we're on these roads, we need to talk to God to help us sometimes. You see, God, as we think of 2017, we need to let God be supreme in our lives. We need to let God be seen in our lives. We need to spend time. We need to let go of all the sin, the things that we have been holding on to, because God is clear to say, you know what? You can't serve me the best way that you possibly can with all the sin and thing, the baggage that you're carrying. As I close, I want to go back to this verse, Psalm 4610. There's a lot of noise in the market. There's a lot of noise that comes around us, distracts us. But God is telling us sometimes to be still and know that I am God. And I don't know if you're like me. It's very hard for me sometimes to just, you know, be quiet, to just let things go, just to look at God's nature and see what's happening around me. But the reality is we live in a country like the Bahamas, where God has revealed himself through beautiful creation. What does that mean to us? Well, we can look at His creation, look at the waters that we're surrounded by. Look at the trees, you know, there are places around the world that don't have the Ponciana trees like we have. These are so beautiful in, in essence of what God has created. And you know what? We spend time talking to Him, thanking Him for what He has done, thanking Him for life, thanking Him for, most of all, for dying on the cross and making a way of salvation for us. 
you may be listening to me this morning. You say, you know what, Pastor Nicholas, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know what it means to, to have a spiritual discipline because you know what, I really don't have a relationship. Well, I challenge you this morning. Why don't you start a relationship with Jesus Christ? Why don't you say, dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need you in my life. I know that I have messed up. Would you take away my sin and would you come into my life? I want to give you everything. I want to give it over to you and I want to serve you today. And just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. And for the believer, why don't you say, you know what? What can I do for God in 2017? How can I serve him better? The reality is we need to show Christ in everything that we do. We need to let God shine in us because he has called us to be a light in this dark world. And I challenge you to say, God, I'm available to you. Whatever it is you want me to do, I'm going to do. Whether it's hard, whatever it is, I'm willing to do for you. And just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for listening to Echoes of Calvary. And I hope that you will tune in for the next couple of weeks as we deal with different topics that our culture is throwing at us and how we can deal with these topics from a biblical standpoint. That's why it's very important, as we talked about this morning, studying God's Word for ourselves. And now, today's personal God story. Well, I grew up in Calvary Bible Church, uh, attended Sunday school, church. My grandmother was a choir director. Uh, all of my family was really involved in church. So when I was younger, I believed that I could get to heaven by just my parents and my grandparents. They were Christian, so therefore I believed I was a Christian. So that all changed when I was about 10 years old. I went to the Word of Life Ranch in Scroon Lake, New York, and it was during an altar call. I realized that I needed to make my faith my own. My faith wasn't my parents' faith or my grandparents' faith. So I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I understood that he came to earth and died for my sins in order for me to be saved, that I needed to believe that for myself. So my life changed for a short period of time after that. I went off to college and I went to a Christian college, Cedarville University. And my freshman semester there, I rededicated my life to Christ. So being at a Christian college, it was very easy to for my faith to grow, as well as I had my grandmother to help my faith grow as well. She was a very strong influence in my life. So throughout that time, I went through a lot of trials and tribulations, but my faith did grow. I was sick often, but I found that my faith was growing. So it was about my junior year that my grandmother got sick. And I moved home and I was her caretaker and I really found myself angry with God, why he made her sick, why he would make someone sick that was the biggest influence in my life. And then she passed away in June of 2014. And I found myself really angry with God. I shut him out completely. I was at a Christian college and taking all of these Bible classes, but I didn't want anything to do with God at all. So I shut him out. I said, I don't want anything to do with him. And then I moved back home and I was still struggling when I came back home. 
still didn't want anything to do. I wouldn't come to church. I didn't want to do with anything to do with God. I wouldn't sing because she loved to sing. So I just ran away from it. And my dad actually recommended that I go and speak with Sister Helen Arnett at the Christian Counseling Center. And I went to a few meetings with her and she really helped to put me back on the right path just to kind of tell me, you know, hey, your grandmother would love for you to be growing in your faith, you know. So she kind of pushed me towards that and she made me realize that even when my grandmother was sick, she was still praising God. And she knew that when she died, she knew where she was going and she was at peace. So, and that's ultimately what I wanted my life to be like. So that's what pushed me to rededicate my life and get baptized. My name is Anissa Aubrey. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. I have a question from the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse 1, which reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the question is, does this verse teach that the Word, Greek logos, is divine? The statement, the Word was God, means that Jesus, the Logos, is divine. The Jehovah's Witness New World Translation translates this phrase, the Word was a God, thus denying the Trinity and the deity of Christ. According to this view, Jesus was a semi-deity. But John has expressed the view in the very best way possible by avoiding the use of a definite article, namely the, the word the, he has emphasized the divine character of the Logos. The Logos participates in the very essence of divine nature. Had John used the article, that is the little word the, he would have expressed the error of Sabellius, who held that God the Father and God the Son were one person. This would have contradicted John's previous statement, which distinguishes the Father and the Son. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N 
1684 Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.